0: You are now listening to the Shore Community Church Podcast. Our mission is to connect to God, connect to people, and to serve the community. Thank you for joining us today, and wherever you are listening, we hope that this message inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. Our prayer is that this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning again, everyone. Would you stand with me as we read the word of the Lord this morning? Acts 2, 42-47, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we welcome you into this place. May your Holy Spirit soften our hearts. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear all that you would say and all that you would do in this place this morning. Fill us with your spirit this morning, Lord Jesus, and prepare our hearts. In your name, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. The heart wants what it wants. Follow your heart. You do you. Just do it. Speak your truth. And of course, be true to yourself. These are all common cultural phrases that we uh, hear all the time. Anybody remember uh, Shakespeare from 10th grade? Probably not. It's okay. I'm the only one. (laughs) Be true to yourself. This is where I'm going to nerd out a little bit. Um, Be True to Yourself is actually a quote from the immensely famous play Hamlet, which, if you don't know, is where we get that famous line, to be or not to be. It's also where we get the entire plot of The Lion King, if you didn't (laughs) notice. As well as the second Lion King, both, both Shakespeare plays. I'm not kidding, go look it up. Anyways... We get this line, be true to yourself, from Shakespeare's Hamlet. The original verse uh, is this. This above all, to thine own self be true. You know who said that line in the play, by the way? Not the hero. Not the wise mentor. It was Polonius, who in the play, is the fool. He's the one you're not supposed to to listen to. It's the fool who encourages us to live by this slogan, which we have translated to be true to yourself. And yet, we mouth this mantra over and over and over again in our culture and our lives like it's gospel. I imagine if Shakespeare were here, he would say, you got it all wrong. We have this idea in our culture, and we talked about this last time, that the way to true flourishing, happiness, and joy in life is to be true to ourselves, to our inner desires. See, we're all actually Freudian in our psychology. Anything that gets in the way of our inner desires and needs being met in this very moment is repressive to what we feel is our truest self. Now we preach to not restrain yourself, but to go after your desires, because that is the fastest way to a happy life. In his book, Live No Lies, John Mark Comer, a pastor, theologian, and writer, says this, self is the new God, the new spiritual authority, the new morality. But this puts a crushing weight on the self, one it was never designed to bear, It must discover itself, become itself, stay true to itself, justify itself, make itself happy, perform and defend its fragile identity. Or as my Peloton instructor would say, validate your greatness. But what about the many days when we're not all that great? The pressure is exhausting. He says, cue the stats on burnout, anxiety, and mental health. In this new religion of the self, what our ancestors called chastity is now called oppression, if it's externally imposed, or repression if it's internally imposed. What they call self-discipline or self-control, we call honestly sin. In a worldview where desire is sacrosanct, the ultimate sin is not to follow your heart. And look around you. Do most people other than on Instagram look like they're living their best life? Is everyone just always out of 10 because they're just constantly rediscovering their true identity? As people have believed in this religion of the self and followed their heart, we have created the life that we talked about in my last sermon on community, where most people are lonely. Most people are depressed. Most people are anxious and lost in their search for meaning, authenticity, and belonging. And why wouldn't that be the case? If you're always taught to ignore what everyone else says about you (laughs) or the obligations that they put on you, how could you ever have real community? How could you ever have real trusted, committed relationships? You can't because in this worldview, Every single person is a threat to your autonomy and freedom. Last time I spoke, we talked about the reality of how God has made us, right? We are not made to be alone, but we're made for community, for each other. And God, we need real community. I said we are so lonely and frustrated, but the answer is right in front of us. It's joining fully the community of Jesus and committing to the people in the seats around you you today. I said that the answer to your loneliness is devoted community, but we live in a culture that does not want restrictions on my time, my schedule, my money, my emotional state of being. The problem, as I said last time, is that that is exactly what community is. If you're married or you have kids, you know that your family is the greatest thing that probably has ever happened to you. But what is it if not a restriction on your time, your money, your freedom, and all of the above? That is what community is. It's not a bug in the program, it is a feature. This week, I want to shed light on another aspect of community. We've already talked about we're made for community. We need it. We are called to live life together. But what if the problem with trying to come together to love each other is that we actually don't know what love and freedom are anymore? We said that we're called to love and serve one another in community. But what if all of these individuals who are taught that their ideas matter most, have competing and contradictory ideas about what that actually looks like. So we need to talk today about what it means to love each other. In a culture where loving someone means not getting in the way of doing whatever they want, we have to reclaim what a biblical love looks like and what it means to be in community. It's certainly not just having a good time and hanging out. It's not less than that. That is a valid and important part of community, but it is much more than that as well. So first this morning, I want to talk about what is love according to the Bible. Second, I want to talk about what freedom is according to the Bible. And third, I want to bring it all together and talk about how does that impact the way we actually live in community. Sound good? Prepare to be offended. I'm just kidding. Well, I don't know. We'll find out. First, love. What is love? Well, love is love, guys. Come on. That doesn't actually get us anywhere. It doesn't actually help us in any way. We don't know what anyone means by love because we don't actually explain it. I can tell you what Jesus and the Bible say that love is, though. <clears throat> First John 3.16. This is how we know what love is. Key there. This is how we know, how we can understand what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. The first thing you need to know is that your ability to even define or understand what love is comes from Jesus and what he's done for you. Two verses later in 1 John 3.18, John writes, Let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and truth. It's in that same letter, 1 John, where John says that God is love. Jesus in John's gospel says, greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You see in the picture? For Jesus and the writers of the Bible, to truly love someone, to truly love someone, is to lay down your life for them. And that's not just a lovely metaphorical image. It is literal in every sense of the word. The one who said those words went to physically die and physically, literally lay down his life for those that he loved. John Mark Comer, again, in his book, Live No Lives, I think gives one of the best biblical definitions of what love actually is. He writes that love is a compassionate commitment. To delight in the soul of another. And here's the, here's the important part. We're all fine with that first part. Happiness, joy, excitement, passion. We're all fine with that first part. Delighting in the soul of another. But the second part is to will that person's good. To will it ahead of your own, no matter the cost to yourself. That is far different from our cultural definition of love in relationships. To be in community together, as I said in the previous message, we must love each other as Jesus has loved us. And that means to compassionately commit to delighting in the soul of someone other than yourself and to will their good ahead of your own. That is what Jesus did for you. And according to the Bible, that is the only way to truly love someone else. And that requires more than just feeling or good times. Second, freedom. In America, we hear freedom and think that means the ability to do whatever we want, however we want, and whenever or wherever we want. Again, this is—it's an notice—it's an individualistic, desire-based definition of what it means to be free. Remember, Elsa. Anybody? No right, no wrong, no rules for me. I'm free. Freedom is defined as the ability to do whatever you want, however you want, and whenever or wherever you want. Freedom to us, 21st-century Americans, means no restraint, no commitment no obligation to anything outside of our self. This has become the dominant view of freedom in the West, and our children are being educated into this view one Disney movie at a time. Or on Fox or CNN, whichever one you watch. But, sadly, that is not the biblical definition of freedom. In the Bible, freedom is not about liberty to do whatever you want, but about removing the things that hold you back from choosing the right thing, the best or the good thing, rather than the wrong thing. Freedom is not just to choose, but to choose the good. It's a small difference, but it is a massive difference in how it plays out. For the Bible, freedom is not about autonomy and self-control from any authority, but it's about liberating loving relationships from sin. And this positive freedom means that we need a separate power from outside of ourselves. You can't do it on your own. To overcome our sinful desires for self-gratification. And it brings this, this new power gives us the ability to fulfill our deeper desires for self-giving love, and that power is the Holy Spirit of Jesus. This matters directly for your relationships. Hate to break it to you. You found it out about me plenty of times already. We are all sinful and broken. In our desires, in our ability to logic and to think, our actions, and it leads directly to relational breakdown, pain, betrayal, hurt, etc., Because the Bible says that we are enslaved to sinful desires. And they get in the way of the kind of relationships and community that you were made for. And so here's one of the problems. We're made for community. We're made for biblical love and commitment and joy and peace. The problem is that we constantly hit the self-destruct button on those relationships. And we hurt each other. And we ourselves hurt. So therefore, we can't be in the community that we're made for. This is why Jesus comes to set us free from lies, from sin, from slavery to our evil and our sinful desires, and evil that is outside of us as well. In a culture where personal desires are king, how are we going to love each other as Jesus has called us To love each other. We won't. We need the Holy Spirit to set us free. Then we will have the freedom to choose what is best, loving each other sacrificially like Jesus. That is how church and community and individual lives all flourish together. The good news, the gospel, literally, the word gospel is, means good news. The good news is that Jesus has accomplished all of this for you on the cross. He has set you free, not to do whatever you want, but set you free now to be able and empowered to choose the right and the best thing for you. Him. Him to be loved by him, to be taught by his Holy Spirit and his word and by others in community what it means to love and to be loved, to flourish together, to be a part of a family where you matter, where you belong, where you have purpose. So finally, what is love? It is to lay our lives down for others, to give ourselves for the bettering of another person. What is freedom? Being set free to choose the right, the best, the most beautiful thing. What does this mean now for our life in community? How do we live it out, get practical? How do we have meaningful, lasting relationships in community? We decide and commit to serve one another and to showing up. It's simple. It's just that. The problem is that it's so against the grain of everything that you've been taught, that I've been taught, about what it means to love someone. It's hard in this cultural moment. And yet, time and time again, the scriptures are clear that in working out how do we love one another and live out this freedom that Jesus has given us, the scriptures are clear that we must commit to serving one another as Jesus serves us. Let me show you. <laughs> Jesus, our King, our Savior, our Messiah, the one who we follow and the, the one who we decide to build our life on the one, and commit to copying the way of his life, he said this in Mark 10, 45, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. Jesus' mission was to love people by serving by giving his life. And he passed that mission on to us. He also said, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Get this, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Jesus is saying that what you do for others, how you serve others, is actually how we serve him. Love God and love others are the summation of the entire prophets and the law. We are called to serve and love others, and it's actually one of the ways that we serve and love God. It's a big deal. Later in the New Testament, Paul, Peter, and the other writers are writing to churches who are trying so hard to figure this out. How do we love each other? How do we have freedom together in community? And I'm just going to give you a heads up. They are extremely concerned with serving when they talk about this issue. Here's just a small sampling. This by no means is every verse. Romans 10, 12.10, uh, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. 1 Peter 4, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Again, equating them together. Galatians five thirteen. for you were called to freedom... Remember, we just talked about freedom. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. There's Paul giving the definition of biblical love and freedom. Not being able now to do whatever you want with no restrictions anytime ever, but you are free now to love and to be loved as you were always made to be. And before you were not able to choose that, because you were dead in your sin, Paul says, "But now the Holy Spirit has filled you and now is empowering you to be now able to choose the right kind of love." Ephesians 6 through7: Render service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does to this he will receive back from the Lord, whether He is a slave or free. I think the point is clear by now, right? We are to love one another as defined earlier, and we are to do so empowered by Jesus to choose freely to serve one another instead of gratifying our own desires. That is a hard message, but it's true. You cannot have real, intimate, family-type relationships without serving one another like this. And as was shown in the last message I preached, we are all, all of us in desperate need of real community, real friendship, the kind that doesn't break down when there's arguments or there's fights, but that lives out this love in real time, even when it gets hard. And as was shown, again, We need community. And so my charge today to you, my challenge today to you is quite, quite simple. We talked about small groups. You might have joined a small group to be a part of community. That's awesome. You're here today, even better. You're doing both of these things amazingly. We're already on the path. But now that you are in the community, you must begin to use the freedom that Jesus bought for you to choose to love and serve the people around you. And let me me give you a warning, pastorally. It is going to hurt. There's going to be fights. There's going to be arguments. But we are committed to each other, not based on how it feels in the moment or what he he said, she said, but based on something so much greater, which is the love, the joy, and the peace of Jesus, the forgiveness and the new life given to us by him. It will get hard, but there's something bigger than how we feel in the moment that brings the forgiveness that you didn't think that you could give, that brings love, joy, and peace. And let me also pastorally encourage you, there will also be moments that are more beautiful, intimate, and amazing than you ever thought could be possible. Now you must begin to use the freedom given to you by Jesus to choose to love and serve one another. Thankfully, we have a number of ways of doing all of that at Bayshore, and every church has to figure this out. The first, if you are already in a small group, is to pray, fight for, and support those people in your small group. What do they need? What are they going through? How can you be there for them? What is the way that you can sacrificially give up Something, time, whatever it is, to love someone in need in your small group. This isn't just a check it off the box. We don't want you to get into small groups just so that you can say, ah, I am now in a small group. What a great Christian I am. You are a great Christian. Love the people in your small group. The reason you're in the small group is for the community, it's for those people. If you're not in a small group, what are you doing? Didn't we talk about this two, three weeks ago? Get in a small group, okay? Second, join our care team. If you don't know what our care team is, this is a group that's sole purpose is to do exactly what we're talking about right now, to find opportunities to love and serve the people in, within our church. So if you want to be included in opportunities and ways to love and serve people in our church, Join our our group, the care team. You can do that at the kiosk. You can talk to Judy and Kristen, who are the leaders of that small group. That group is designed for the sole purpose of loving other people in our church. Third, love and serve our community outside of the church in our missional life group. This group is all about carrying the love within this church to the community outside of it. Carrying the love and the freedom that Jesus has given us to those who don't have it yet. You can find Zach and Ashley Hess after service and talk to them about joining this group as well, or you can go to the kiosk and sign up that way. Finally, join a serving team on Sunday. We as a larger church are a family, and we serve one another by helping run this Sunday service in all kinds of ways. You could be on stage, you can be in the booth, you can open doors, you can serve in kids. Then there are many more ways than just that. You don't be a part of a family and not do the dishes every once in a while, right? Right? No one enjoys doing the dishes. You might. You might be one of those people, and we have prayer ministry in the back. Um, (laughs) There are things that I enjoy doing to clean. And I would love for you to find a place that you enjoy serving on a Sunday. Because the family contributes to loving the family and making the family happen. It's not about oh you just have, like like we just need people to contribute. No, like I want you to actually experience the love and the freedom that Jesus has for you. And it's when you start loving and serving. And so if it's kids, great. If you don't want to wipe kids noses and butts, totally fine. We got other options. Okay? If you're called to worship ministry, get up, up here. Get up here. Don't be afraid of getting in the booth. The booth is so much easier than it seems. I promise you We serve and love each other by serving on a Sunday. Like a family cleaning the house together. Like a family supporting each other. Like a family making things happen so that the love and community in the family can happen. Right? That's what serving on a Sunday is. Finding that place where you can be a contributor, not a consumer. I promise you that there are These four ways, and there are more ways than this, but this is just some of the ways we've come up with that hopefully will get you started and then the Lord will continue you on the journey. I promise you that if you commit to loving and serving one another in any of these ways or all of them in small groups, in our care team, in our missional life group, on a Sunday, you will experience the love and the freedom of Jesus. Another little nerdy thing real quick. It's my last one, I promise. There's a book from, I believe it's the, uh, the 19th century by a Russian man named Fyodor uh, Dostoevsky. Anybody heard of that? It's one, it's considered one of the greatest books ever written. And Dostoevsky was a committed Christian. And in the book, there's this scene where there's this kind of crazy lady who like, wants to be a Christian. She wants to love Jesus. She wants to love other people. And she said, oh, when I love other people, I just don't, like, I just don't get it. Like, she's trying to figure out how to feel Jesus and how to activate her faith. And that she tries so hard to love love other people, but that she's scared, one, that they're going to reject her, or two, that Jesus won't be there. And the priest, the pastor, says to her that it is in loving other people that your faith will become real. It's when you do the things that Jesus has called you to do that you will experience that change. So take a chance. What if this is all bigger than you, and what if that is so good news that that's the case? What if it's in loving other people that you will experience the love of Jesus like you never have before? What if if you commit to loving and serving other people, which is hard, which sometimes is not fun. Maybe a lot of the time is not fun. What if you commit to that and what if that is where you experience the love of Jesus? I promise if you commit to loving and serving one another in small groups, in the care team, in our missional life group, on a Sunday, on a team, you will experience the love of Jesus. You are made for community. You are made for love of God and love of others. You are called to live like Jesus, to love like Jesus. This is the way to true belonging, real meaning and purpose, and committed, lasting community that quenches your deep longing for meaning, for purpose, for friendship for acceptance, to know and to be known. Take a chance. Trust in Jesus. Begin serving and loving those around you. Do you have a friend, a neighbor, anyone who you could just reach out to this week? Say, hey, what can I do for you? Get into a small group. Get on the care team. Get in a mission life group. We have teams that need spots to be filled so that our family can function. Specifically in our kids' team, you can talk to Callie, our kids' director, who's doing an amazing job. She would love to give you a space to love on our kids. And you can talk to Steve Hart, our media director. We have places in there where you can help support the Sunday service to make it happen for everyone. These are the ways that we have in Bayshore to start loving and serving one another. If you begin to commit yourself to serving other people and loving other people the ways that we have talked about today. It's not always going to feel good. It's not always going to be exciting. It's not always going to be Instagram-worthy. But it will change you. And it will give you the community and the life that Jesus has made you for. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you that your love was not a fickle love. It's not one that was based on emotions in the moment. But that is based on your loyal love and faithfulness, your unchanging character. The Bible says that your disposition towards us primarily is one of mercy, compassion, and love. Lord, fill us with that same love. Let us see the people around us as you see them, people who are in need of your love. Lord, empower us with the freedom to choose the right thing, to love and to serve each other. And Lord, I pray for all the people in this room who are scared to take the chance, who are uncertain about any of these ways. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would prompt them now to take a chance, to meet you in loving and serving other people. We thank you for your love, Jesus, again. Fill us with that same love. Empower us by your spirit to have the freedom to choose the right thing, the good thing, the best thing, the most beautiful thing to love and lay down our lives for other people. That is what it means to be a part of your family. And that is where our lives will be fulfilled and satisfied is in your love for others and for us. We thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you so much for joining us on the Bayshore podcast. I want to encourage you to take this message you just received and allow it to go deep into your soul and let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thanks to everyone that gives generously to Bayshore. It's because of you that this ministry is possible, creating life change all over the world. You can be a part of spreading the message around the world by going to bayshore.online and clicking give. For all things Bayshore, visit bayshore.online to find out what your next step may be. You can subscribe right here and share this podcast with your friends and family. Thank you again for listening. God bless you.